0: pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, we praise you for being the way maker. You can make a way in the desert, you can create streams in a desert, you can do anything you want. But I thank you that we are held together in your Son, for we were created by him, for him, and through him. Lord, we thank you for being just a great and awesome God who is full of steadfast love, mercy, and compassion. And we thank you for calling us into a living relationship with a living God. And we thank you for the incredible privilege of being able to communicate with you. Indeed, you are intimately interested in all that goes on within our lives. Because we're your children. And as the disciples pray, so we pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And Once again, as always, Father, may your spirit speak through me this morning to build your church. Remove me from the equation and let your word purely speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I was growing up, um, I was never good at solving riddles. Anyone here good at solving riddles? Anyone have the, the courage to say I'm good at solving riddles? Anybody? Oh, so you yeah, have learned some humility from me. Okay, good. They were always just too complex. And they were always too confusing to me. They always tricked me and so on. And, but one of the first riddles I heard, and I still remember to this day, was this riddle right here. Remember this? Because I'm obviously not good at riddles. Is this one right here. What is black and white and red all over? <laughs> What's the answer to that? Newspaper. newspaper, exactly, right. It's a newspaper, exactly. Now, this riddle is less confusing when you see it red, right? When it's written down in written form, I get it. But when you hear it, you assume, of course, the word red is the color red, right? And that makes this riddle confusing. So I thought, okay, how good are we as a church at solving confusing riddles. So I have five riddles for us to solve, and let's see how we do as a group, solving these riddles, okay? Now, if you are able to, I want you to stand up, okay? If you're able to, I want you to stand up. <laughs> if you speak English, raise your hand, or you don't understand English, thank you, okay? Gee whiz, You just sang. You have enough energy to at least comprehend and get up. All right. Now, just for the record, I could not solve any of these riddles. I told you I'm awful at them. I stink at solving riddles. So let's see how we do. This is the easiest one of them all. Okay, here it is. Which word in the dictionary is spelled incorrectly? If you thought or said incorrectly, you stay standing. If you didn't get it, sit down. Didn't get it. Just for the record, it's on video. Debbie Lindsay didn't get it. Okay? It's on video, too. Ah, no talking. (laughs) So now you guys, the smart people, turn around and look at everyone else. Okay, yeah, it's incorrectly. All right? Now, next one. What comes once in a minute, twice in a moment, but never in a thousand years? The silence is deafening. If you got, if you thought or you think the answer is the letter M, you're right. Anybody? Anyone get it? Oh my goodness. You get it? But you didn't say it out loud. How many believe you did? Okay, good, good, good. Look around at all the people that aren't as smart as you. All right? All right. Okay. How about this? What is the question you can ask all all day, get different answers for the same, and they would still be correct? What's the answer? What's the time? There you go. By the way, I'm in that group that's sitting down, so you all are smarter than me. Okay. All right. This one Two fathers and two sons go fishing. Each of them catches one fish each, so why do they bring home only three fish? What's the answer? Yep, grandfather, father, and son. Very good. Okay, does anyone else feel not smart? I'm trying not to use the word dumb, so I'm telling you not smart, okay, or stupid. But that's how I felt doing this. Okay, are you telling me your kids got this? You telling the truth? Okay. 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 Good, good, good. Okay. Then let's just put the spotlight on Josiah, all right? Thanks to mom. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Sit down. Oh, come on. I have faith in you, Josiah. You can do it. You represent the, the males in this room, all right? No pressure, but it's all on you, man. Come on. All right. I have cities but no houses, forest but no trees, water but no fish. What am I? Collect. Cause she's still standing, and let's see. Rodney? Sure. What? You can, can take, take your mask out so you can hear you. Anybody stand. Is it standing. a map? It's a map. So I got you got it, Tracy. Anybody else get it? Alright. All right. So. We're all dumb, and they're smart. You see that? Because I could not get any of those. Very good, very good. Yeah, the trick is to kind of find what the the key is to it, and so on. I just can't never get that. I find it so confusing, and so, yeah. Well, I, I did that because yeah, the answer is a map. Is because I think that it's a great introduction to this part right here. There are a couple of. Uh, Verses I want you to see here. Because I think confusing riddles to me are a lot like praying. I think prayer can be confusing. So look at this verse right here. You see it? In the same way, and by the way, the Apostle Paul wrote this, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Okay, you got to like that, right? like the fact that I have the Holy Spirit who is interceding or praying for me because I don't know how to pray. At the same time, the Apostle Paul wrote this. Pray without ceasing. So I'm like, what? Think about this for a moment. In one verse, he tells us what? You don't know how to pray. In the second verse, he tells us to do what? Pray all the time. Paul, what are you up to, man? Yeah, exactly. But if we think about this, if we don't know how to pray, then why should I pray without ceasing? Right? Because it seems to me that something that is so consuming of, of the Christian experience, such as praying, because I'm supposed to pray without ceasing, it has to be understood if we do do not know how to pray, then it does us no good to continue to pray, right? But if we learn how to pray, then praying without ceasing becomes so much important to us. And I believe that our Lord is in agreement, which is why I entitled this Confusion Praying. He's in agreement with me because in my assessment of prayer, because of the three religious practices that we have been studying so far in the Sermon on the Mount, and what are they? Giving, fasting, and praying. It's giving, praying, and fasting, yeah. I don't know if you know this or not in Matthew 6. The greater emphasis in his sermon is placed on praying. And this is made clear by sheer volume. The most verses in this section on the Sermon on the Mount are given to the theme of prayer. And I believe this because prayer is more vital and thus more important. And while giving is important, people still, when you really understand how to give, people still only give properly when they give out of a constant communion with God, responding to his leading as he works in a heart that is filled with gratitude. And it is out of the living vitality of a personal life communion with God that people just give. Fasting is meaningless apart from what? Prayer. Because prayer is always connected to fasting in the Bible. So the concept of prayer is it's just very basic to giving and fasting. In fact, praying properly is so important to God. And to Jesus, when he speaks of giving, he says, in essence, this, remember this, don't do it this way. And when he says about fasting, he says, don't do it this way. But when he speaks of prayer, he says, don't do it this way, but do it this way. And he gives this lengthy portion of his sermon on prayer and how to pray. Because it's the only religious practice where he gives a detailed description of how to do it. I mean, there's not a lot of discussion on how to give, which is why I went through and gave you other scriptures on giving. We haven't gotten to fasting yet, but there's not a lot of description in his sermon on fasting. But how we are to pray is is really covered comprehensively in 66 words in his Sermon on the Mount. Now, this makes sense because, as Paul mentioned earlier, we don't know how to pray. So he would give us the most instruction on in how to pray because it's that vital. And I see this all the time. When I first was learning to pray and when I hear other people pray, that we don't know how to pray. For example, there are people who plead with Jesus Christ for strength. Have you ever done that before? You don't have to show your hand. I know you all probably have. We pray, God, give me strength. But what does the Bible say? Well, it says that You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So do you need any more strength? The answer, of course, is no. I hear this a lot, too, from people that have been in the church for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Lord, be with us. (laughs) What does the Bible say, though? Lo, I am with you always, and I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So we are assured of his constant presence. And there are people, this is another common one, and it just highlights again how we don't know how to pray, who plead for the ability to love. But the Bible says that the love of Christ is shed abroad in your heart. Folks, you don't need more love. You need to let the love that's within you out. Now, just as in Jesus' time, there were unbelievers who prayed, and they prayed ineffectively. Remember what they did last week? They prayed out of hypocrisy, and they prayed that those ritualistic prayers and all the meaningless repetition, as if they had to constantly badger God into reminding him of what he already knew. There was no genuine heart motive behind their prayers. We have the same dilemma in our time. There are unbelievers who pray regularly. Statistics tell us 65% of adults pray at least once a week. And some pray even daily. But their prayers are ineffective as they originate not out of a life-giving relationship with God, but rather out of what foundation? Self. is the foundation of self. There are unbelievers who faithfully pray meaningless, ritualistic prayers found in prayer books prayer books that are common in such false religions as Catholicism. What was the name of the book that you guys talked about on the Zoom Bible study? Sunday Missile. The Sunday Missal? So we, we have the same problem today that Jesus was encountering, is was my point. And how people pray. But the way a true child of the kingdom of God prays, it should be, now hear me on this, radically different and highly effective. And highly effective. And now there's perhaps no greater contrast of prayers found in the Bible than, of course, in the what story we looked at last week story of Elijah and the Baal prophets. And again, it highlights the difference in prayers born out of a religion and prayers that are born out of a relationship with the living God. Now, when a child is born, the newborn infant learns from the very beginning that life revolves around them. If they're hungry, they cry and their needs are met. And when they wake up, they make noise or they cry, signaling that they're ready to be picked up and held to start their day, regardless if it's morning or night, because they don't know the difference. And she said, they're up and they expect other people to be up because the world revolves around them, right? If they want anything, whether it be a toy or attention, they make a fuss and immediately along comes mom or dad to satisfy their demands, right? Because they are the center of the universe. They operate, here's the key, out of a foundation of what? Self, exactly. Now, this same principle, here we go now, applies to a newborn believer. They, too, operate out of a foundation of self that initially drives all of their religious devotion. This is especially evident when a new believer prays. Their prayers are very self-centered. Knowing that they should pray, they are suddenly faced with a dilemma of not knowing how to relate to an invisible God So when they pray, what do they do? They do all the talking. Does that sound familiar? Any pause in praying seems so awkward that they feel they have to fill that silence with many words. Constantly reminding an all-knowing God of the same need. I've been guilty of that, and of course Jesus addresses that as He did last week, very plainly and directly. Now, mind you, that they only talk to God this way. In every other relationship they have, there is a two-way communication, but not with God for some reason. It's only after repeated practice and study over time do they learn how to pray properly. That sound familiar to us? Anybody? Well, the same is true with the Jewish people. They had an understanding of prayer, and it dates back to thousands of years. But what did they understand about prayer? And I believe we will find what the Old Testament taught about prayer very helpful as what Jesus is about to teach us about prayer because it comes from the Old Testament. Because these Old Testament principles on prayer apply to us today. In fact, you will see why the writers of the New Testament commanded us to pray the way they did. It was born out of the Old Testament. And so I want to talk to you this morning about Old Testament praying. Now, the Old Testament Jews, here's the first point I want you to write. If you want to write this down, you can. Here's the first point. There's going to be 10 points here. and we'll go through it pretty quickly. The Old Testament Jews believed that they had a right to come to God because they believed God wanted them there. And that is really kind of a radical thought for some of us. But just listen to these verses. Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. So if I call upon him, he's right there with me. Psalm 91, 15. He will call upon me and I will answer him. And of course you'd find a correlating verse in the New Testament. And we find this in James 4, 8. Draw near to God, and he will what? Draw near to you, exactly. Hebrews 4.16. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Now you understand why Paul, if he wrote Hebrews, and James wrote what they wrote, because it came from the Old Testament. And this is true as well. You have a right to come to God. God wants you with him. Even in your sin. Number two, the Old Testament Jews believed that prayer was a mighty weapon. I do want you to get your Bibles out for this one. Turn to Psalm 18. Psalm 18. And it's my hope that as you understand what the Jews the Old Testament Jews understood about prayer, that that will serve as a motivation for you to pray and pray even more. Psalm 18, verse 6. says, In my distress I called upon the Lord. Okay, that has nothing to do with prayer being a mighty weapon. But what was the response from God? Look at verse 7 and 8 and then verse 14. He calls upon the Lord. What happens? This is the response from God. Then the earth shook and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains were trembling and were shaken because he was angry. Angry at what? What was going on with his child? Smoke went up out of his nostrils and fire from his mouth devoured. You get a picture of our God being a consuming fire when you read that. Look at verse 14. This is why prayer is a mighty weapon. He sent out his arrows and scattered them in lightning flashes in abundance and routed them. I mean, There is a military image there, prayer as a weapon. Now, in the New Testament, we find that prayer is listed as the last piece of the armor of God. Because, yeah, you put on the belt of truth and the you fit your feet with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You have the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. And he goes on to say, and then what? With all prayer and petition, pray at all times. It's a mighty weapon, Paul says, of prayer that is capable of bringing down destruction and strongholds. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. And perhaps it's this misunderstanding of prayer or ignorance that prayer is a weapon as to a reason why we don't pray more than we should. Number three, the Old Testament Jews believe that prayer should be constant. We all know this. In all your ways, acknowledge him he shall direct your paths. Psalm 71, 6, my praise is continually of you. And of course, the New Testament, I just read the verse for you, pray without ceasing. See? Number four, the Old Testament Jews believed that prayer should incorporate praise. Psalm 34, 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And of course, the New Testament says, through him, Hebrews 13, 15, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Number five, the Old Testament Jews believed that prayer should incorporate gratitude or thanksgiving. Psalm 95 two: let us come therefore before his presence with thanksgiving, let us joyfully shout to him with psalms. In New Testament, he says, don't worry, be anxious for nothing, but in what? By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, Let your quest be made known to God. Number six. The Old Testament Jews believe that their prayers should incorporate a sense of awe and reverence. I love this verse. You can just listen to this. Because it is so foreign to us. I've tried to slowly incorporate this here in our church. Guard your steps as you go to the house of God and draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. What is the sacrifice of fools? As a dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when there are what? Many words. So that meaningless repetition. So draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know how they are do, that they are doing evil. Do not be hasty in word or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God. Well, why? God is in heaven and you are on earth, therefore let your words be few. So, The Jews did not rush into the presence of God flippantly as if he were a man. And we casually, and we should obviously at times, but also at other times, we should not just casually enter into the presence of God. Yes, he's our friend. He's also a consuming fire. And the Jews realized when they entered into prayer, they came face to face with God. Of course, the New Testament, we find this. Therefore, since we received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. Why? For our God is a consuming fire. Number seven, the Old Testament Jews believe that in their prayers, there should be a desire to obey God from a willing heart. You mean it. So with all my heart, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Psalm 119.10. Give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. Psalm 119.34. And of course, in the New Testament, Paul wrote this. But thanks be to God, Romans 6, 17, but thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. Because it's all about the heart. Number eight, the Old Testament Jews believed that their prayer should incorporate a sense of confession of sin. Psalm 26, 6, I shall wash my hands in innocence, and then I will go about your altar, O Lord. Psalm 66, 6, 18. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And what does the New Testament say about confessing sins? Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Why? The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. This is why I say our prayers need to be, when we pray properly, they should be highly effective. Number nine, the Old Testament Jews believed that you persevered in prayer. I want you to listen to this because I had forgotten about this and I discovered it this, this past week. We all know about the story of Moses and Ten Commandments. And the golden calf, he's up 40 days, 40 nights, getting the Ten Commandments from the Lord. He comes down and finds the people worshiping a golden calf. And what does he do? Well, here's what it says in Deuteronomy 9, starting in verse 15. So I turned and came down from the mountain, while the mountain was burning with fire. And the two tablets of the covenant were in my, my two hands. And I saw that you had indeed sinned against the Lord your God. You had made for yourselves a molten calf you were turned aside quickly from the way which the Lord had commanded you. And what did you do? I took hold of the two tablets and threw them from my hands and smashed them before your eyes. Here's the thing. What happened next? I fell down before the Lord as at the first 40 days and nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water because of all your sin which you had committed in doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. So, how long did he go back to persevere in prayer for the people? Those 40 days and 40 nights. So, you persevere in prayer. In the New Testament, of course, what does Jesus tell us? Persevere, do never give up when you pray. Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. We went over that last week. I do not need to read that verse. But you are to consistently, constantly go before him. He's a loving heavenly father that will give you justice. And of course, number 10, the Old Testament Jews believed that a necessary element of their prayers was humility. That ties into that reverence and all, by the way. But a true... Jew was coming into prayer to submit himself to the will of God. Did you know that? That's really what humility is in many ways. I take my will, I, I lay it aside. Your will becomes the priority. That's why Jesus was the most humble man who ever lived on the earth because he came not to do his own will but the will of him who sent him. Isaiah said this, but to this one I look. This is God speaking. So who does God look at? To him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. Isaiah 66, 2. And of course you know this one, right? Everyone knows this verse. And my people who are what? Call by my name. If they do what? Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked sins. Then I will hear from heaven will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now, so... The point here is that prayer is not asking God to do my will. It's bringing myself into conformity with His will. It's asking Him to do His will and then give me the grace to enjoy it, whether I like it or not. In the New Testament, we find remember this story, listen to this. Because it's how you approach God again. Two men went up to the temple to pray one a Pharisee and one a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I pay tithes of all that I get, In the contrast, but the tax collector standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner." I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. And that is so contrary to human nature. Now, I'm going to close with this. Why do we pray? Why do we pray? Well, here are a few biblical motivations I want to give you, what I call motivational praying. Now, I want you to hear me on this, that these motivations that are biblical, they are sequential. And you understand, I think, if you've spent any time praying. Meaning that they, by sequential, they build upon one another. The first reason why we pray, and you understand why I had that little analogy regarding a baby, it's this right here. We pray to have our needs met. And our Lord assures us as we'll get to in the lord's prayer give us this day our daily bread he says this in luke 11 9 to 13 so i say to you ask it'll be given to you seek you find knock it'll be open to you right for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened And then to drive home the point, now suppose one of your fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And the Holy Spirit is the best gift you can ever have. he's a friend, he's a guide, he will reveal the future to you, he will empower you, all of that. So we see that when you, you are a new believer, and, and quite frankly, as we'll get here in a moment here, even for some of you that have been believers for, for all of your lives, is that this is, when we start to pray, we are praying to have our needs met. Because we approach, first approach God with understanding that he is there to meet our needs. And why do we do that? Because we learn to pray in the beginning out of a foundation of what? Self. And where do we learn that? From the moment we were born. Because it's all about me. I am the center of the universe. My favorite subject to talk about is me. Me. The three most important people in my life? Yeah. Me, myself, and I. I mean, go on and on and on, okay? <laughs> and this is how we begin to approach God. Now, here's where, I, I, I hope I'm not offending anybody, but this is, I believe, too true. But there are many who never move past this first stage of praying. That you, you are, you, are coming to God and continue to come to God out of a foundation of self. That's why I told you that that to really pray it's the death of self. But sadly most don't get there. It's a testimony to the, the absolute superficial status of the church. We don't want to go deep. People don't want to hear the truth. If people want to hear the truth, you know me. I'm not preaching my really my ideas, am I? I'm taking you right to the word of God, and that's the truth, right? Yet people don't come here. Now, if I could sit there and change the way I preached and made it more entertaining, made some changes here, we would probably have more people here. There was a gentleman that came to our house when we were thinking about getting an air conditioner, and he was a believer and he, he, he knew I was a pastor and we talked, and he made that statement to me that you can change the way you do church and you can go to the entertainment model and you can have droves of people, but it's not real. It's not true. If you're going to really make disciples, you've got to do it the hard way. You've got to start with the truth and go from there. But, but we live in a world that is based on lies. They don't want the truth. Which is another way of saying this, by the way, they don't want Jesus Christ because he is the way, the truth, and the life. They want him as their savior, but uh-uh, not Lord. I self will reign. Now, I had to, I started for years. I prayed to have my, my needs met. I got dissatisfied with that. There's got to be something more to prayer, and I, you know my story on prayer. I shared it with you, but. The second point is, if you get to this, is that you pray to have fellowship with our loving Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ. That's the second step. Because if you look at the New Testament and you compare how they prayed and their experience of God and maybe how you're praying and and your experience of God, you probably see a pretty big gap. Well, why is that? Well, the longer you pray, the more intimate you should be with God, the more you should long for Him. And everyone should memorize 1 John 1.3. It says this, What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, that you too may have fellowship with us. In other words, the reason why we share our faith is that others may experience the same fellowship we have. Now, who is, or who does, in this case, the apostles or the early believers, who do they have fellowship with? And he names it very clearly. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, the fellowship, the word fellowship here is, again, the church has done you a huge disservice. We think fellowship is coming together after church for a potluck. No, that's eating food. Okay? And one of these times, I'm going to pray a long prayer before a meal and see how you guys react, just to tick you off a little bit. I wouldn't do that because I'm hungry. I want to eat, and so I'll do a brief prayer. Anyways, that's not, yeah, that, that, that's not fellowship, okay? When you are praying together, when you're studying the Bible together, when you're talking about the Lord together, that's fellowship. Now, and the word fellowship means this, by the way. It's the word koinonia, and it means intimate communication. And that's what you should want when you pray. I am praying, yes, to have my needs met, but I'm praying for an even greater purpose is I want a fellowship, I want to commune with my Father who loves me and my friend and King and Lord Jesus Christ who died for me. Because when God designed men, he designed them for fellowship with other believers and himself. And here is just, again, and I said this before and I'll keep saying it, there's one inescapable truth about communion with God. It cannot be rushed. Communion with God takes time. When Eric and I were dating and then we, we got married, we were, what, eight months, seven months we were together, and then I graduated from college, and she had two more years of college because she's always been slower than me. And... I had one What did you say? I didn't hear you. Okay. So we had a long-distance relationship. Then we got married. And the more time we spent together, probably within the first few years, she was like, I made a mistake marrying him. (laughs) And I never told her this, but I thought I made a mistake marrying her, and that's kind of normal and so on. And then we began to love each other, and we get to know each other. She knows me so well that she can read me when I'm up here preaching. If I'm going to say something that might make her uncomfortable, she can see it in me because she knows me that well. Well, why is that? Well, it's because we've been married for 20 plus years, okay, 26 years, right? And so she knows me very, very well. Well, why is that? We live life together. She knows my verbals and my nonverbals, and that only comes through time, right, right? So if you are giving yourself five minutes to pray a day, which is, a, for some of you, maybe start, start somewhere, that's good, but you'll never really know God, and you will be stuck in to have my needs met when I pray. Okay? You want to get to know him, it, it takes time. It takes time to create space in your life to commune with God. It takes time to clear all the junk so that the temple within you, where the Holy Spirit and the Son and the Father reside, you're able to finally enter into that inner temple and just sit in his presence and enjoy him and listen to him and worship him and praise him and talk to him. But we spend time together. In fact, the men who have most fully illustrated Christ in their character, most Christ-like people you will find are people who have powerfully affected the world for him are people who have spent so much time with him that it's just so noticeable in their lives, just who they are. Mr. Wesley spent two hours daily in prayer. He began at four in the morning, and of, of him, no one knew, one who knew him well wrote this, he thought prayer to be more his business than anything else, and I have seen him come out of his prayer closet with the serenity of face next to shining. And of course, remember the shining face of Moses, who spent so much time with God, that he was more like God. Martin Luther said this, if I fail to spend two hours in prayer each morning, the devil gets a victory through the day. I have so much business I cannot get on without spending three hours daily in prayer. He had a motto, he that has prayed well has studied well. Archbishop Leighton was so much alone with God that he seemed to be in perpetual meditation prayer and praise were his business and his pleasure says his biographer Ian Bounds wrote this what the church needs today and it is, this is so true is not more or better machinery not new organizations or more novel methods but men whom the Holy Ghost can use men of prayer men mighty in prayer Now I would add women in prayer too but it takes time But this is what you should desire. Fellowship with him. But then the next step is this, to hear and obey. Jesus said this, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. John 14, 21. It's hear and obey. Whoever has my commands and what? Obeys them. He is the one who loves me for he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and reveal myself to him. You want to intimacy with God. You want that fellowship? That was a question. Do you want the fellowship? Intimacy, yes. Then what do you do? You obey him. He reveals himself to those who obey him. In Matthew 7, 24 to 27, we'll get to this in the Sermon on the Mount at the very end, but you know, it's It's simple. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like what? The wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. It didn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock. The opposite is those who hear it but don't put it into practice, and there's destruction. And this is what you see in Scripture. The first approach to God is one of selfishness. To, on ourself, to have our needs met, which then you want to fellowship with him, but then when you fellowship with God, God has a plan. He has work for you to do, and he then reveals his will to you, and since you recognize his voice by faith, he wants you to go and do what he told you to do. This is what Elijah went through these steps. From self to intimacy to hearing and obeying, and it was all by faith, And there was risk, for sure. Yeah, God loves you and wants to spend time with you, but he also wants to work in you and has things he wants to do through you. And that requires recognizing his voice, which comes out of intimacy with him, and then obeying what he says. And that's difficult. At times, it can be difficult. And then if you're able to get... To that point, you get to this point. We pray so that God may be glorified. And this is a verse, again, 1 John 1, 3 and John 14, 13, you should memorize. John 14, 13. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So in other words, God is answering prayers, your prayers that you ask in Jesus' name, for what purpose? What purpose? So the Father will be glorified in the Son. So that God gets the glory. Remember I said this before? Prayer is the occasion for God to demonstrate his glory. We pray so that God may be glorified. It is that simple. And you know you're in the path to praying well, to praying properly when you reverse this order. It's the glory of God first, to hear and obey, to fellowship, then what comes last? My needs are met. The death of self is the beginning of true prayer. God first, then my needs. So, what I want you to do this morning is simply this. I want you to pray with the goal, really kind of moving away from a foundation of self to a goal of, I just, it's about you. Because we write the songs, right? We can sing the songs, it's all about you. But, but the real test is, is how you live your life, and you can tell it by how you pray, what's on your heart. You know, I would say that, you know, obviously where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your prayers are, There your heart is also. So it's not about you. It's about him. And that is why and how we pray. Because next week we'll dive into the first probably three portions of the Lord's Prayer. The paternity of God, the priority of God, the program of God, the plan of God. We'll go through all those again like we did over a year ago you'll get this model of how we are to pray. Now, the only reason, I'll say this again and I'll close with this, that, there, that 930 to 1015 is not packed with everybody that, that is in this church is because you're stuck on number one. That you're praying to have your needs met. You're not you don't know how to fellowship with him because when you learn to fellowship with him, that is what is most satisfying. That's why people can spend so much time in prayer, because it's they enjoy it. And they don't enjoy the the, the, the prayer, they're enjoying who? God. And you have to engage him, then there's you disengage and you you start life and you try to bring the Lord along with you throughout the day, but then you gotta re-engage and start over again. And that means getting up earlier, making it a priority, coming to everything you can, and and taking that time. Because in my heart is that the 9:30 to 10:15 prayer time is preparing your heart to receive what the Spirit says to you through the preaching of the Word of God, not not through me but through the word of God. And thus, that's why we pray. And that's my prayer for myself and for all of us. Now, if you would like prayer, we have uh, others that can come up here and pray for you. And we're going to close the song, so we can even pray while we're singing as well. But if you like prayer, feel free to come on up. Um, yeah, we'll close with a song, and you can go on with your day. Does that sound good? Amen. Amen. All right, let me pray for us and for our worship. And you can stand with me as well. Again, Heavenly Father, we sing for your glory. We live for your glory, and we, yes, even pray for the sake of your glory. Lord, I simply pray that you would teach us how to pray. And all God's people said, Amen.